What a wonderful God. Grace, grace. God's grace. Grace that is greater than all my sin. That is fantastic good news. And today, thank you, Pastor Blake, for your very kind introduction. And my friend who was sitting next to me, when we were saying it's all about Jesus, he said, it doesn't matter how smart you are. It's still about Jesus. And that is true. It's all about Jesus. And that's what our theme is about, making God known. And I want to just share with you today some thoughts, some observations on making God known. Because in my role as trying to start churches for the unchurched, reach people who are not familiar with the gospel of grace that we have experienced, so often people come up with the, exactly the same thing. They will say time and time again, if there is a God, why does he allow so many bad things? And he always seems to get the blame. Have you noticed the devil has found a way? If anything bad happens in this world, who gets the blame? God. He is so clever. And it really upsets me. I really dislike the fact that God gets the bad publicity. And when something fantastic happens, nobody even mentions God. And then I started to think, if the devil has been successful in what he's doing, maybe we as Christians have not been successful in what we should be doing. We should be making God known. We should be making him known for the incredibly generous, loving, caring God that he is. And I want to share with you something that happened to me when I was a young man growing up in Nottingham that helped me. I wasn't, I didn't grow up as a Christian, but when I became a Christian, I learned something very precious about our God. I was the third child. I had an older brother and an older sister. They were the, the really smart ones. I'm afraid I was very naughty, I was very bad. I was always in trouble at school, always had the bad school reports, got in with the wrong crowd, was always getting caught. And so my parents decided to send me to a Church of England, um, like Pathfinder Club, it was called Covenanters. It did a lot of sports, it did a lot of activities, and it always had a devotional time. But as the young man that I was, I couldn't wait for the devotional time to be gone so that we could play sports and go rock climbing, play football. And after one particular meeting, a friend, I'll call him a friend at this point, a friend called Andrew and myself went home through Nottingham's big flats. Now in Nottingham, they'd just built in the 50s these amazing giant flats and as young, naughty children, we used to love going through them and seeing what trouble we could make. Lots of graffiti, lots of things to smash. And the thing that we loved smashing most of all were the big strip lights. Remember those eight-foot-long strip lights that used to light the underground garages? Well, we gradually worked our way through them. And this particular Sunday, we found that there was only one left. So we found a rock, and my friend Andrew said to me, go on, Mick, you smash it. You're really good at it. You hit them first time. 
And so we looked around, there was nobody around, and I quickly picked the rock up and smashed it, and everything went pitch black. And then we found our way out. We ran along all the corridors, the ramps up different levels, down different levels, and then out onto the street. And we were walking up the street feeling really good about our success when suddenly there was a hand on my shoulder. And this man, I was quite tall for my age. I was about 12 years old. I was about five foot eight. And this man must have been about six foot six. And he grabbed hold of me so hard I couldn't escape. And he said, was it you? Was it you? And of course, I put on my best innocent face. What, 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 what do you mean, was it me? What, what are you on about? My friend Andrew, who by now was about 30 foot away and had left me, he suddenly, suddenly unexpectedly turned around and shouted in his loudest voice, it was him, mister, he did it, he smashed the light. Good friend. This man took me down to the police station and explained what happened. And of course, you know, because of programs like Dixon of Doc Green, I'm going back a bit, and Zed Cars, you know, I knew a little bit about police procedures. And I knew if you said nothing, they couldn't get you. I had the right to remain silent. And so I remained silent. And after about half an hour, I just saw the man behind the desk, just kept looking at me and smiling, looking at his watch. And I thought, hmm, it is getting on a bit now. My dinner's getting cold. My mom and dad will be worried why I'm not back. And then you start going through things. You imagine, what if they take my fingerprints off the rock? Now, I'm not sure they could do that. What if they find the oil in my shoes and match it to the oil in the garage? And what if they put me on a lie detector machine and ask me questions? And you know, suddenly out of nowhere, I jumped up and said, all right, I admit it, I did it. And the man just smiled and he said, I was gonna let you go in another minute. <laughs> Now remember, this was a Sunday, about, by now it was about one o'clock, and it was in the late 60s. They used to have something called panda cars then. You imagine being taken home on a Sunday in a panda car with the lights going to my family home, quiet, lovely street, and you watched all the neighbours behind the curtains. Oh, he's in trouble again, that smart boy. He's going to be a troublesome one. I knew I was in trouble. I was always, in those days, your parents could give you a real beating with the cane. And my parents were well used to doing that to me. And, you know, when the policeman explained everything to my parents, they sent me into the back room because he explained, because I'd admitted my crime, I'd have to go to juvenile court. 
there would be a fine to play, a pay, there would be probation, and all sorts of things. Now, you can imagine my family, they were good, respectable people. My father was a managing director. My brother and sister were both doing well at school, and then came me. And as I sat there and I waited for my father to come back in, his usual thing when he came back in the room was he would take his belt off and he would use his belt on me. And, you know, I started to think, yeah, I really deserve a beating this time. More than anything else, I deserve what I'm going to get today. When my father eventually came in, I was already in tears because I could feel the pain. My father was a strong man, and he knew how to give you a good beating. It never did me any harm, don't get me wrong. You know, but he was able to inflict pain on a poor young boy that was guilty, and I knew it. My father was not given to demonstrations of love, and then when he came in, he did the strangest thing. As he walked through the door, I noticed he didn't take his belt off, and I thought, oh, no, he's going for the tomato canes outside, which had been broken across my bottom many times. And they hurt more because they were thin, and he could really whip them. And so I started to cry even more. And then he sat down next to me, and he said, Mick, I'm really unhappy what you've done today. You've let the family down. You've disgraced our name. Every neighbor is going to be wanting to know what's happened here today. And then he said something I didn't expect. He said, Mick, we're going to stand by you. We will go to court with you. We will let those people know that even though our son has done wrong, he is still our son. And that shocked me. It was not what I expected. I knew what I deserved. But when you're given something that you know you don't deserve, it's a shock. When I became a Christian, when I became a Seventh-day Adventist, one day I was reading through the book of Romans, Romans chapter 6. And I invite you to turn to Romans chapter 6. And to read a very familiar passage of Scripture there, Romans chapter 6 and verse 23, because I believe this is something that we need to use to understand. Romans 6 and verse 23. It says there, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. There is a message in there that when we know we deserve one thing, we have a God who turns around and sits next to us and he says, you do deserve this one thing, but I'm not going to give you what you deserve. I'm going to give you something that you do not deserve. And you know the wages, what are wages? They're pay for what? For your work, they've what you've worked for, they've what, that's what you've earned, that's what you deserved, isn't it? So when God says the wages of sin, it can mean either the deliberate acts that we do that are against our God, 
Or it can mean just the state of being not in a relationship with God, of being separate, independent, selfish, self-centered from God. So we don't have to actively be doing something very negative like killing, stealing, cheating, lying. We can just be, we don't want anything to do with you, God. And he says, the wage that that pays is death. We deserve it. When I look into my own life, I know I deserve death. I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I am really not the person that I would love to be. Even now as a growing Christian, you know, even coming up here, I was speeding. You know, we all do things that are wrong every single day. We deserve what God tells us is our wage, and that is death. God uses words in a way that we don't in our society today. Because we come to this little word, the wages of sin is death, and then there's a three-letter word. What is it? But. But. You know, when we use that little three-letter word, we always use it the completely opposite way to God. Now, gentlemen, if you're anything like me, you know, you say to your good lady wives or girlfriends, you say, you look very nice today, but... And then you see the look change on their face. I'm not sure that really works. You said it, it's out your mouth, nothing's going to change it, they will never ever forget it. They don't remember you said they look nice until that but. All they remember is the but and then the bad news. Isn't it true? You know, and this is the strange thing that when we use the word but, we use it in a negative way. We give, the, we give the good news first, then when we say but, we go to the bad news. God does the exact opposite. He says the wages of sin is death, that's the bad news, but here comes the good news. Did you notice in our scripture reading in Ephesians, God did exactly the same in Ephesians 2, the first four verses, he says, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. You used to live and follow the ways of the world. You used to live upon these things. You crave the natural sinful desires and thoughts. You did all of those things. And then we come to verse 4. What's the first word in verse 4? But, but because of the Lord's great love, because of his great mercy, he has made us alive with Christ, and so it goes on. God gives us the bad news, and then he says, but I do not want you to have that. Making God known means that we let people know, yes, that there is this consequence to a life without Jesus as Savior. But the good news is it's not about you and me, our performance, our behavior, because it says the wages of sin is death, but the gift, the gift, what is a gift? What is a gift? Something that you don't deserve. Something that's given to you just because somebody loves you and wants you to know how precious, important, valued and loved that you are. Gentlemen, we're always doing it to the ladies, aren't we? Always showering them with gifts. You know, we're like that because we love them and we want them to know their love. They've not done anything to deserve it, to earn it, to work for it. We have just given them the love that we have for them. We are so good. 
the gift is not something that we deserve. It is not something that we deserve, this gift. And where does this gift come from? It is the gift of who? It is not the gift of the pastor. It is not the gift of the church. It is not the gift of anything that we do. Because in our Ephesians scripture reading, it says, by grace have we been saved through faith, not by work so that no one can boast. The gift that is given to us is nothing to do with us deserving it or earning it. A gift comes from somebody who loves us and wants to show us that we are precious and important and valued. And it is our God. Our God is giving us this incredible gift. And you know, sometimes we think of God as wanting to just mark down the black points in our life. Just wanting to record the things that are negative. And the picture that's put out there of our God the Father is of a God who wants to judge us, who wants to condemn us, who wants to put us in to the black mark book. But you know, our God is not like that. And I'm glad we can look at these verses and realize when it says, but the gift of God is what? Hold on, we deserve death, don't we? So what is our God doing giving to us this incredible gift of eternal life? What sort of God is this? This is a generous God. This is a forgiving God. This is a God who is full of grace. Grace, grace, glorious grace. Grace that is greater than all my sin. This is our God. Making God known, it means that we should be out there telling people Telling people the truth that, yes, if they do not accept Christ as Savior, there is only one result that's coming their way. But we don't want them to have that result. We want them to have eternal life. We want them to have the love of God, the gift of God that is given freely and generously to all. And notice how this gift is given. The gift of God is eternal life in who? In Christ. There is no other name given among men whereby we must be saved. You know, you can't put my name there. My name might be smart, but I'm not smart enough to save anybody. There is only one. There is only one. And that one Jesus Christ loves us supremely. He was willing to come down from his throne into the mess that we had created, into the mess that we have made. And he looks at us and he knows each one of us inside out. He knows our weaknesses, our failings, our doubts, our fears, our mistakes, our love of the bad things. And he comes down and he says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for who? For us or is it for me? If we distance it, it makes it easy, doesn't it? But when we say Christ came for me when I was a sinner, boy, it's not so easy because it means I'm just as guilty of nailing him to the cross as those Jewish leaders were back then 2,000 years ago. I nailed Jesus Christ to the cross and yet he loves me for some reason. He wants me in his family his grace is extended to me. His eternal life 
this is a package deal that God the Father is giving us. Do you realize that? You know, when you buy a package deal, everything's included in it. There are no extra costs, no extra charges, no hidden little lines, no little addendums to it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. He says, you want the deal? Here it is. The deal is Jesus Christ. Now, some of us, and myself included in the past, have tried to make sure that we got the package deal, the eternal life, through what I did, through what I ate, through what I dressed, through the things that I did or did not do, because I thought I was the one who had to be good enough. There is only one who is good enough. There is only one, and that is Jesus Christ. If I stand in front of God the Father without Jesus Christ in between, I will die. But when I stand there shielded by his robe of righteousness, God doesn't look on me and see my filthy rags. And you know, sometimes I try to be righteous, probably the same as you. But he says, even our best righteousness is as filthy rags. And that's why we need the righteousness of Christ. Because that is pure and spotless from beginning to end, without a speck upon it. And as I stand there, guilty as charged, knowing that I deserve death, he steps in and he says, you're still my son. Have my robe of righteousness. I'm just so grateful that we have a God who is generous, who does not give us what we deserve, but has given us instead the most precious gift that God the Father could ever give to us, the life of his own dear son. While I was dirty, while I was filthy, he generously gave. We need to make that message known to people because there's a lot of misinformation out there. People think if they just eat the right things, dress the right way, behave the right way, that somehow they have the right to eternal life. The only right that we have to eternal life is wrapped up in Jesus Christ. And that is why without us spending every day in time with our Savior, Jesus Christ, you know, we are without that robe of righteousness. We need that robe each and every day. We need to go before him and confess, own up, admit, even tremble, even cry, knowing that if we go to that face of God the Father without the robe of Christ's righteousness, all I will get is what I deserve. But when we stand hidden in Christ Jesus, we are saved by his grace. And just take you back to Ephesians 2 again, and after we read that word but in verse 4, it says this, because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. And verse 6, and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms, in Christ Jesus. Every time we look at these verses, if you read it, it says everything that we have is in Christ Jesus. 
There is nothing that is there looking at me, myself, that recommends me in any way to God. God looks at me in Christ Jesus because he died for me and my sins. It says there in verse 7, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Do you realize we make God happy when we're in Christ Jesus? We have a God who actually sings. He sings, he rejoices, they get together with the angels and they thrill over the fact that people are resting in Christ Jesus. We need to spend that time with Jesus every single day. We don't deserve him coming into our lives, but he says, I'm coming. I'm coming because I claim you as my children. I'm coming because I love you so much I couldn't bear to see you go to that wage that you deserve. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are united in this one thing. They will not let go of anybody easily in this world. They will not let sin destroy anybody easily in this world. And they are coming out and after the people of our community. The people that we live next door to, the people that we work with, the people that we go to college with, the people that are on this campsite, the neighbours, the friends, the people that need to know who God really is. A God who doesn't give us what we deserve. A God who does not like disasters and tragedies and inflicting wounds and pains and horrible problems. Let's make God known as he truly is. A generous, loving, forgiving God who comes to our side and he says, yep, Mick, you actually deserve death but I don't want you to have what you deserve. Do you want some good news, Mick? Jesus is all you need. If you've got Jesus, you get the whole package deal. Grace, salvation, forgiveness, new heart, new mind, new spirit, new joy. We have everything. If the world is still thinking that the bad things come from God. Could it be that we aren't making God known? That is a scary thought. I don't want to be guilty of that. I want people to know. I want people to see. I want people to be able to look and to realize that yes, we know that Mick Smart, he grew up as a real terror. He grew up to be a nasty young man. But by God's grace, one day he met a Seventh-day Adventist at the college where he was at. I was drinking 10 to 15 pints of beer a day at that time. I was gambling on the horses and winning because the devil wanted me in that place. And he was keeping me in that place. And when this young lady came into the college, I saw something in her that I did not have. I saw that there was an amazing grace in that person that no matter how I treated her, no matter how many swear words I used at her, no matter what I did to her, she just kept coming and saying, I want to be your friend. You know, God uses us more than we could ever think. As long as we are connected 
to the power source. God is able to keep the lights on. That young lady led me to Jesus Christ. And if he can do it to me, he can do it to anybody. He can use each one of us. Do we know who we are making known? If we know the incredibly generous gift of love that God has given to us, wrapped up in Jesus Christ, and if we treasure that gift truly every day, that same grace will shine through our lives into the lives of others. Let's make our God known. Because when we sing that song, grace, grace, marvelous grace, doesn't it make you feel fantastic? Why keep it to ourselves? Let's share the grace, the good news, and make our God known. He is a loving, generous, grace-filled God. To him be the honor and glory. Amen.